Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. James chapter 4 in verse 7. The scripture reads, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Stop right there for a moment. Beloved, if we don't submit to God, if we don't, as an act of our will, draw nigh unto Him, then He will not draw close to us. Can you see that? If we don't submit to Him, if we don't draw close to Him, then He does not draw close to us. That's one truth revealed here. Another is this. If we don't resist the devil, he won't flee from us. He won't leave us alone. Now, why is it that if we don't draw nigh to God, he won't draw nigh unto us? Well, because God wants us to want his presence in our lives. I'm going to say that again. Some of you didn't get that. God wants us to want His presence in our lives. He does not force His presence into our lives. He does not impose His will upon our lives. He doesn't push Himself into our lives. God wants us to want His presence in our lives. That's why the responsibility lies upon us. We are to draw nigh unto Him. We are to submit ourselves unto His will that He may draw nigh unto us or draw close unto us. Now, why then is it that the devil won't flee from us? Well, to be frank about it, the devil doesn't really care much about what we want. Did you hear that? The devil doesn't care much about what we want. As far as he is concerned, he will force himself into our lives. He will force his presence into our lives. He will force his influences into our lives. He will force his way into our lives because he is pushy. And as long as we're in this world, He is going to attack our attitudes. He is going to attack our appetites. He is going to attack our desires. He is going to push our bodies and emotions to the limit. He is going to push us in the area of our morals and as well as our thoughts just so that He can find expression through our lives in this earth. Therefore, we are instructed in the Word of God to daily draw close to God. Because if we want God's closeness and His close presence manifested in our lives, then we must draw close to Him and submit to Him and shut the devil out. See, God's not pushing to get in, but Satan is. We have got to draw close to God and push Him out. Amen. And too often, we fail to realize that. Daily, we are to draw nigh to God. Daily, we are to resist the devil and everything he stands for. Whether it be wrong passions, wrong attitudes, wrong desires, wrong motives of heart, whether it be fear, depression, weakness, wrong thinking whether it be sickness or disease, poverty, lack, whatever it is. 
It is our duty and responsibility daily to push Him out, to resist Him, to put up a fight to keep Him out. Now, beloved, when someone is persistent in trying to get a hold of you, if you let your guard down, they'll get a hold of you. God is a gentleman and He will not force His way into our lives. Satan is not a gentleman and he's pushy and he'll do everything he can to get us to think like him, to act like him, to speak like him, to do whatever he wants us to do because he wants expression through our lives. He wants to steal from us. He wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us and all that. And we are told, draw nigh to God and resist the devil. Keep him out on the outside. Don't give him place. I want you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to remind us, I know that these aren't things we don't know, but I want to remind us that every evil that comes into our lives, every evil that comes our way, is either directly or indirectly from the devil. By directly I mean there can be the presence of a demonic influence right there to try to enforce something into our lives, or indirectly it's just because we are living in a world that is ruled by satanic forces. For Satan is the God of this world. Not like so many think. They think, well, if God is God, then He should change the world in which we live and make it a better place. It was a great place until Adam's sin rebelled against God and turned it over to the devil, and he took a hold of it, and look at the mess we're in right now. He is trying to enforce all these things in people's lives, and most people don't even recognize the fact that he's out there doing it, and so they give place to it, and lo and behold, they're under the oppression of the enemy. We are told in the Word of God to draw nigh unto him and resist the devil. That means resist depression. That means resist oppression. That means resist fear and everything connected with the kingdom of darkness. I want you to notice in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, that it is a lot easier for us to give place to the enemy than it is to give place to God. You know why? We were once trained under His highly sophisticated army. Did you know that in strategies? We were once highly trained under His counsel. Look at these verses. Verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead. We were dead. That means without the life of God, with the life of the devil. Listen carefully. In trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. In other words, because of spiritual death, because of being in a world that's ruled or governed by the prince of the power of the air, Satan is the god of this world, every single one of us naturally yielded to every desire of his. He was in control of people's lives and still tries to control people's lives today. And see, beloved, if we don't recognize that, then we go on living every single day not realizing that we are unconsciously yielding to wrong influences. If we are not resisting, we can be yielding to wrong influences. There is a need for every single one of us to daily submit to God, to daily draw nigh unto Him, to daily draw from the resources of His strength his power, His ability, His character, His moral values and standards and might. Why? So that we give no place, no ground, no territory to the working of the devil. It is a natural thing for us in the flesh to rise up with emotional pain when someone hurts us. It's a natural thing for people to criticize other people. It's a very easy thing to have loose lips and speak gossip and gal about people. Why? Because the flesh loves it. Think about it. 
The flesh loves to talk about other people. The flesh loves to do the wrong thing. The flesh loves to criticize. Amen. The flesh loves to covet. The flesh loves to be envious. It's natural for the flesh to act that way. Those were the desires of the flesh. It's natural to be angry. See, the flesh loves all these things and sides with all these things. And if we don't recognize the influence behind these things, we go on thinking that this is how we're supposed to be. I'm supposed to be angry at you. Why? Because I feel angry. I'm supposed to be upset because I feel upset. Resist. The devil, he will flee from you. If we don't recognize this, beloved, then daily resist these influences that are trying to find expression through our lives, then we will be an expression of his evil ways. Think about that. I'm not supposed to yield my members to unrighteousness. I am not supposed to give my thought life over to the devil. I am not to live to glorify the darkness of this world. My life is not here to be full of envy and covetousness and guile and criticism. That's not why I exist. I no longer belong to that kingdom. At one time, it was a natural thing. But you know what? If you are a sincere saint, a child of the living God, once you got saved, you start to find out those things that once were natural, all of a sudden, are not natural any longer. You try to tell that first little fib after you get saved, and something just goes off like a neon sign. Right? You try to do some things that you used to do before that you thought were okay. All of a sudden, something inside you goes off like a neon sign. Don't do that. But if we go on and on as a believer and we don't take heed to the warnings, we can slip right back into doing things the old way. If we don't resist those temptations to think wrong, to act wrong, then once again we can slip right on into doing things the wrong way. I want you to see something in 1 Peter chapter 5. I realize there are people in the world that don't believe in God. And there are people in the world that don't believe there is a devil. Well, based on James chapter 4 verse 7, those people are in a bad way. You know why? Because God's not drawing nigh to them and they can't get rid of the devil. Because they don't believe in him, but he's there. And they're not resisting Him. And they're not calling out to the Lord, so they're not drawing nigh to Him. Think about the position that they're in. Think about the state that they're in. Think about the condition that they are in in the world today. Full of the devil and without God. Boy, that's pretty sad, isn't it? In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, we are told, Be sober, be vigilant, not on Sunday mornings or Saturday evenings in preparation for Sunday mornings. We are told, be vigilant, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Be alert, be on guard, be ready. Because your adversary... Your adversary, your adversary, my adversary, the devil. And I know there are some that don't believe in the devil, but he's there whether or not they believe in him. There are those that don't believe in God, but he's there whether or not they believe in them. Their unbelief won't change God. Their unbelief won't change the devil. Their unbelief won't change heaven. Their unbelief won't change the lake of fire. Isn't that all true? Absolutely. He's still there and they're all still there. He is going about as a roaring lion lion seeking whom he may devour. And beloved, I want you to know he devours those that don't know to resist him. He preys upon those that don't know they have authority to resist him. 
He is looking for those that do not understand their rights and privileges because He knows they have no strength nor backbone, spiritually speaking, to resist His powers. And so He figures, I can devour this one. Man, this one might be a brand new Christian, but they don't know anything about resisting me. We can get a hold of that person and destroy that person's testimony and make a mockery of Christianity. Let's do it, boys. But we've got to get that believer and start teaching that believer the Word of God. Amen. 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 And letting them know that they've got an adversary out there that they need to resist daily, not in their own strength, but by drawing nigh to God. You're no match for the devil. Your strength is no match for the devil. You'd start drawing nigh to God and hanging around the throne. You get dipped in the blood. You learn your rights and privileges. Oh, I'll tell you what. You'll be aglow with the Spirit. You'll have the glory of God about you. You think He's going to want to hang around with you? Pal around with you? See, there's no room. There's no place for the devil. See, sometimes people think, I've got to be strong against this. No, you've got to be strong in the Lord. Did you hear that? You're no match for the devil. You've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. How do you get that way? You hang around the throne for a while. You sit at the feet of the Master for a while. You'll get strong in the Lord. You draw nigh unto Him. He'll draw nigh unto you. You invite Him. He'll show up. He'll come close to you. You think Satan's going to want to sit and pal around with you and the Father? Hardly. I don't think so at all. Can you see that? Seeking whom he may devour. Now notice this. Whom resist steadfast. That's what we're talking about this evening. Resisting the devil with persistent faith. Whom resist steadfast. Steadfast means with stubborn, earnest, persistent faith. That's what it means. If you are going to be stubborn... If I am going to be stubborn about anything, it should be about my faith. Stubborn, earnest, persistent faith to resist the devil. In other words, I'm not going to be devoured. Beloved, every day there is a need to draw nigh to God and to remind the devil that you are taking a stand to resist him. Can you see that? A stand. To be stubborn in your faith. If we go day by day by day by day by day and think because everything is okay, there's nothing that's going wrong, I want you to know that someone is, is planning a strategy against your life. Can you see that? If we just are going about every single day not doing anything to remind ourselves of our need to resist the devil... He is planning certain strategies and looking for a more opportune time to get into our lives. We have got to be mindful of the fact that just as God is, so is the devil. He is alive on planet earth doing his best to undermine the work of God in our lives. And there is a need for us to resist him steadfast with stubborn, earnest, persistent faith. And one translation says, in your faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, we take a stand on a day-by-day basis and say, Father God, I submit myself to you today. I give you the members of my body. I give you my eyes that I may see and behold the glory of God and look at the world with compassion and mercy. I give you my ears that I may hear that which is good that which is pleasing, and that which is edifying. I'm not going to listen to anything that's going to destroy somebody. I refuse to have garbage can ears. I give you my hands not to do evil. I give you my feet to walk in the path of righteousness. I'm here to serve you and do your will this day in my life. And oh, by the way, old devil, in case you're unaware of the fact I know I have authority over you. I will not give you place in my life. 
And I'm not going to wait until I'm back to, in, into some emotional corner where I'm tempted to lash out and act wrong. I'm reminding you now today, I'm feeding on the Word of God. I'm staying in fellowship with the Father. I'm drawing nigh to Him. I resist you. I resist your ways. I resist your thoughts. I resist depression. I resist oppression. I resist fear. I resist anything and everything like criticism, unbelief, doubt. I resist everything your kingdom stands for. I choose to walk with God. I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to worry. I resist you and your powers in the name of Jesus. Now, beloved, as I said earlier, you can't do that in your own strength. We have got to do that in the strength of God. And that's why you need to write down these verses of Scripture that will help you to resist steadfast in your faith in God. Number one, Luke 10 and verse 19. That says, I give you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Every one of us is to remind ourselves daily, I've got power over all the power of the enemy. I have authority over all the strategies, over all the, the, the authority, over all the works of the devil. Would you say that with me? I have authority, supernatural power and ability over all the authority of the devil. I don't have to yield. I don't have to give in. I don't have to give place. For I have authority in the name of Jesus. Praise God. That's a verse we have to make note of in a heart. The heart. The second one, just write it down, found in Philippians 4. And verse 13. See, you can't do this in your own strength because you and I are no match for the devil. Sometimes I think we fail because we think, I've got to take a stand against that. I have to. And the emphasis is on, I have got to walk in love. I have got to watch my words. Wait a minute. Let's get the Father involved in this. Amen? It's not something that I am doing detached from His power and ability. I am doing it through Him. Philippians 4, verse 13. I'm reading it to you from the Amplified Version that makes it louder. Amen? And here's what it says. Philippians 4, and verse 13 in the Amplified. says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Would you say that with me? I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Say it this way. I have strength to resist the devil and all that he stands for through Christ who empowers me. Now listen to this. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. What a wake-up. Amen. Amen? That's better than a cup of decaf. Wouldn't you say? Think about that. I am ready. I mean, what a wake-up call. We should get that on an alarm. Some just push that thing come in the morning. You are ready for anything and everything through Christ who infuses inner strength into you. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Oh, I like that. Did you hear that? Say that with me. I am sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I can resist the devil through Him and the power of His name. Boy, I like that. Praise God. But someone says, I just can't resist worry. Oh, yes, you can. You've been trying to do it on your own for too long. Now, draw from the strength of Christ. How do I do that? Start, start agreeing with the Word of God, first of all. Start saying it. I better understand I can't overcome this depression. Oh, yes, you can. 
Stop saying you can't and start saying, oh yes, I can. I can through Christ. Don't let Him devour you. Don't let Him have place in you. You start saying, I can through Christ who infuses inner strength into me, making me equal to any task. I'm ready for anything and I'm ready for everything. Amen. Is that a good morning to you? Yes, hallelujah. Amen. I'm ready for anything. I'm ready for everything through Christ Amen. who is the strength of my life. Amen. Well, that'll get you happy just saying it. Amen. Amen. Well, that's not the end of it all. Look at... Just write it down. You know the verse. Just write it down to save some time. Revelation twelve eleven says, And they overcame Him. And they overcame Him. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, I want you to see something here. Put this little package together. Remember we said in James, Submit to God, resist the devil. Draw nigh to God, in other words, and resist the devil. He'll flee from you. You draw nigh to God, He'll get close to you, and you resist the devil, He will flee from you. Amen. The same blood that enables you to draw nigh unto God is the same blood that enables you to successfully resist and overcome the devil. Did you hear that? The same blood that enables you to draw nigh unto God is the same blood that enables you to successfully overcome and resist the devil. Amen. Fun in the blood. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. With that same blood, I can just go and fellowship with the Father and submit to Him and draw close to Him. With the same blood, I can successfully defeat the devil. Amen. Oh, what fun, what fun we have. Amen. Standing against all the works of the devil. How? By virtue of the blood. See, the focus should be entering into the presence of God by the blood. And when you do, you'll know that the blood will enable you to overcome all the works of the devil. That's right. Amen. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, I want you to see something else because I just want you to get exceptionally blessed this evening. Is that okay? Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, if you would, please. I don't know if you ever saw it this way before, but I did. I just started to meditate on this, and I'll tell you what, it jumped out at me and... Made me shout. Anything that makes me shout, I share with you. <laughs> Luke 22 and verse 20. Remember, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We add our testimony to the blood of the Lamb. In other words, we testify to the blood of the Lamb. We add our faith in its testimony to the blood of the Lamb. Did you ever see this before here when Jesus at the, you know, the Last Supper and all that and when He instituted the Lord's Supper? Likewise, verse 20, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. That blood was shed for you. You overcome by the blood that was shed for you. Jesus just told us directly, my blood was shed for you. Say it with me, your blood was shed for me. Say it again, your blood was shed for me. Well, let that sink into your ears for a while. This cup is the New Testament. In my blood, which was shed for the Father? For you. So you can draw nigh to the Father and resist the devil and overcome him. That's personal, isn't it? Say it again. The blood was shed for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I add my testimony by stating the blood was shed for me. My spiritual, emotional, physical redemption has been paid for. I am no longer under your jurisdiction. The blood was shed for me and neutralizes your power. Yes, hallelujah. Glory. Can you say amen? Amen. 
That's my testimony. Did you get that? He said, Jesus said, see, we say, Jesus said, His blood was shed for me. Here's my testimony. The blood was shed for me. My redemption has been paid for. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, my spiritual needs, my emotional needs, my physical needs are met by the blood. That's my testimony. And your power is neutralized. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't know what that does to you. Gives me goosebumps. (laughs) Amen. I'm no longer under your jurisdiction, devil. I'm no longer giving you place. I can overcome depression. I can overcome fear. I can overcome. And then you just name anything that belongs to His kingdom. And you say, by the blood. Hallelujah. Because of Jesus. There's another verse we sing about quite often, but I want you to see this also. You can write it down. It's found in Proverbs 18.10. The blood gives us access to the name of Jesus, which in turn provides safety, protection, and deliverance to every child of God. And the song is based on this scripture, Proverbs 18.10, that says... The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. That's what it says in Proverbs 18.10. See, the blood gives me access to the name. And the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. Hallelujah. For safety, refuge, protection, and deliverance. And the blood gives us access into the name. And Jesus said, preach this gospel. What? The good news, the blood's been shed. Satan's power's been neutralized. And thank God, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And in my name you shall cast out devils. In my name you shall speak with new tongues. In my name you shall take up serpents. In my name if you drink anything that won't hurt you, hurt you or harm you in any way. And you shall lay hands on the sick in my name and they shall recover. For my name is a strong tower that the righteous run into and are safe. Glory to God. You see, that is our testimony. The blood was shed for me. Oh, too often we've tried to do it apart from the the power of the blood, the power of the name, and the strength of our God. And we've thought we've got to live this Christian life ourselves. No, 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 no. Don't try to tame your tongue without the power of God. If you rise up in the morning and say, I'm not going to speak anything about anybody, give it four minutes. But if you say, oh, I draw nigh unto you, Father God, put a watch over my lips in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm running into the the, the name of the Lord, which is my strong tower. I'm under the blood and its protection, praise God. That blood is covering me, protecting me, keeping me safe, delivering me from the power of the tongue and the influence of the devil. You'll begin to see that you'll start to draw from a strength that far surpasses any strength you have on your own to do it yourself. And so will I. In other words, you bow your knee to God, you won't have to bow your knee to the devil or the power of the tongue or wrong thinking or wrong actions or wrong anything. Hallelujah. And that includes depression. That includes oppression. That includes fear. That includes worry, anxiety, or whatever. I know, but someone says, I've tried all that, but I just don't see any change. I don't have any... Uh, change in my life and I don't feel anything different well I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews if you would please because there are a lot of people with you a lot of people challenge the things of God because they don't see things happening they don't feel things happening and they'll even say but I've resisted the devil you don't understand brother I have resisted the devil but he just did not go I've resisted depression, but it just will not stay away. Beloved, one thing the devil tries to do to people is to make them think that this thing called faith is magical. You wave a wand or rub a lamp. 
And all of a sudden, pow, everything instantaneously happens for you. That's not what this walk of faith is all about at all. It is a daily drawing nigh unto God. It is a daily resisting the devil through the power of Jesus Christ. That's what it involves. And every one of us needs to know that. And that means there'll be times when you don't feel anything and I don't feel anything. There'll be times when we don't see change and, and uh, nothing seems to be happening in the natural. But you know what? We don't base what we believe on what we see. We don't base what we believe on how we feel. We base what we believe on it is written. If God says the devil flees, instead of siding with the devil, instead of siding with the feeling, instead of siding what we see with the natural eye, let's continue siding with God with persistent, stubborn, earnest faith that says, devil, you have to flee. You have no say-so in the matter. The blood was shed for me. You say, depression, you can't stay. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I see. You can't stay, for the blood was shed for me. And I mean, you take a bold stand, a steadfast stand, an earnest stand. You take a stubborn stand with bulldog tenacity, and you say, the blood was shed for me. The name of the Lord is my strong tower. It's my place of refuge, deliverance, and safety. I am safe in the name of the Lord. I refuse to give place to you or anything. Doesn't matter what I feel. Doesn't matter what I see. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. And, and we're going to look here, first of all, at verse 1. The word of our testimony, beloved, must be added to the power of the blood. The power of the blood is sufficient. But unless I add my word of testimony, it can't do anything for me. Listen carefully. I don't want that to go over the top of our heads. Thank God for the power of the blood. But you know, not one person will get saved until they add their testimony. And they reach out by faith and take hold of what the blood provides. Call on the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. Don't call, you don't get saved. Isn't that true? Same thing is true in all other areas of our lives. We have got to add the word of our testimony. And that means I must believe that Satan's work has been overthrown. I must believe that the shed blood of our Lord enables me to overcome all the work of the enemy. I must believe that he, Satan, and his works are dethroned and no longer in effect over my life. Notice in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Now let's stop there just for a moment. Before I read on, I don't want to double read it. The wherefore, whenever you find a wherefore or a therefore, always ask, what is it there for? That's a good general rule to follow whenever you're studying the Word of God. What is that wherefore, therefore? Well, basically, it's there because it's talking about the whole chapter, chapter 11. The heroes of faith. It's talking about because of what faith has done. Because of what faith is. Because of what faith can do. Because of what faith did for all these numbered here in this Faith Hall of Fame. There is something to this, beloved. The Bible says, be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Isn't that true? But, you know, sometimes we don't take the time to follow through on that. Go back and look at all these who lived their lives by faith. See, it's always easy for us to think that the other person has it easier. But they're not going through half of what I'm going through. 
It's easy for you to say that to us because you don't know what I'm facing in life. Wait a minute. Didn't Peter just say the same temptations come to all of us? Didn't he say the same afflictions come everybody's way? Didn't he say the same devil is seeking to devour all of us? Didn't he say that? Well, let's remember that. And let's go back and look at some of these who lived their lives through faith and by faith. And as we look at some of that and see what they did, we realize it was because of their stubborn, earnest, steadfast faith that they inherited the promises. They don't just fall out of the sky. Wherefore, in other words, because of what faith is, because of what it can do and what it did, for those who live before us, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with the great cloud of witnesses, let us. You see how the wherefore says let us? Because of all of what they did in their trials, in their tribulations, in their circumstances, in the ordeals that they faced in life. Wherefore, let us. Let us do what? Let us lay aside every weight. And that's speaking about our arrogance and pride. Lay it aside. Every weight and the sin. Whatever it is that prevents us from entering into a deeper life of faith. Listen carefully. If our faith is not being productive as it needs to be, don't blame God. Don't become arrogant and proud and blame God. Don't fault the Word of God. A lot of people do that, beloved. A lot of people do that. Well, I tried it and it didn't work. That's what he's talking about. That is exactly what he's talking about. Don't talk like that. No one's saying it's easy. Look at those others that live by faith. It wasn't easy for them. Paul was beaten so many times, cast into the sea, left for dead and all that. Thank God we don't have to go through that kind of persecution. Can you say amen? amen? But did he give up his faith? Absolutely not. Abraham was told to offer up his son over there up on the mountain. Thank God God never told me to do that. Can you say amen? But did he give up on God because God said to do that? Absolutely not. Look at those who through faith and patience inherited the promise of God and let us throw away our arrogance. Let us stop saying that it doesn't work because I tried it. And you know, me, I tried it. Me. And if I tried it and it didn't work, it doesn't work for anybody. Come on. Who are we kidding? It worked for Abraham. It worked for Noah. Didn't it? It worked for Rahab, the harlot. Uh Uh-oh. That kind of hits us where we live, doesn't it? See? Cast that aside. Get rid of that kind of an attitude. Okay? Cast aside the sin, whatever it is that's holding us back. Listen. That easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It's a race of faith, is it not? I finished my course. I fought a good fight, Paul said. It's the fight of faith. Let us fight the good fight of faith. And then he goes on to say, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What does that mean? Look to Jesus who heads the list. This long list of faith heroes, Jesus is at the top. Look to Him. Did He come here and live a life on flowery beds of ease? Or was He tempted by the devil? Did Satan come to steal, kill, and destroy Him? Yes, He did. So let us look to Him. Right? And let us see how faith worked in His life. And then it says, as we read on, Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him is the next thing that He says. Consider Him. Consider Jesus means to observe, to analyze His life and conduct, lest we weary in our minds. Now listen carefully, beloved. Let's read the rest of that. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. The devil wants us to weary and faint in our minds when it comes to applying the Word of God to the circumstances of life. He wants us to buckle under the pressure of those circumstances until we start saying, I tried it and it doesn't work. And he's trying to tell us, don't have that attitude. Don't hold that view. He is saying, cast that all aside. Consider Jesus. Look to His life. Don't say it doesn't work. It worked for Him. He did it. He's our example. 
He is the, at the head of the long list of faith heroes and consider Him lest you weary in your mind. If He could do what He did, He's saying, we can do what He told us to do. And if we consider Jesus' sufferings and all that Jesus went through and still was successful, then we have to realize we can succeed also because He has empowered us to succeed. And so that's why it says, wherefore, consider all these things and hold the attitude or the view that says, through Christ, I can do what God said I can do. I can live this life of faith I can draw out of God. I can overcome the devil just like Noah did, just like Abraham did, just like Moses did, just like Joshua did, just like Rahab did, just like Shadrach did, Meshach did, Abednego did, just like all the others did. I can, I can. Through Christ, I can. I'm looking to Him who is the author and the finisher of my faith. And I want you to write this down because I believe it will bless you and if you, want, if you really want to know how to get some strong, stubborn, earnest, persistent faith, I believe we have a revelation of it right here so that you can draw out of God and resist the devil successfully in your life. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13. These all died in faith. Listen. Not having received the promises. That's not talking about God didn't bless them on earth. That's talking about there were certain things they could not experience, like the new birth, the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. They couldn't get that yet. Do you see that? They couldn't have that then. But you know what? They saw it. Write this down, number one. You want to have a strong, stubborn, steadfast faith, number one, you have to see it. They saw the promises of God afar off. Even if it seems as though all the blood provides for you is way at a distance from reality. You've got to see it. Man, did you see what the blood offers me? Did you see what the blood provides for me? I see it, Lord. Oh, I may not be walking in the reality of it right now, but I see it, Lord. I see the promises of God. I see the promises of the blood. I see the power of the blood. And I know it belongs unto me. I see the promise of God. Number two, I am persuaded. Look at this. And we're persuaded. You know what that means? It means to move to belief by argument. Boy, I like this. I don't know if you're going to like it, but I loved it when I read this. It means... To move to belief by argument. And I thought about Job arguing with God. Think about that for a moment. Uh, but God, what about this? And God, what about that? And God, what about this? And God, what about that? And finally God said, well, Job, what about this? And when God got done, Job believed. To move to belief by argument. You might say, but God, I tried that faith business. God, I tried confessing the Word of God. Oh, I tried resisting in the name of Jesus, but it doesn't work. God will say to you, yes, it does. Go check out Jonah. Go check out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Go ask those that died in the wilderness if they didn't get what they said. And God will plead His case. You will plead your case. And when the argument's over, I move to believe what God said. I guarantee it. But see, sometimes we don't follow through on that. So they were persuaded to believe. Think about this. The Bible says Abraham was fully what? Didn't he consult his five senses? Didn't he look at his own body and his wife's body now being dead? But then he looked to... And, he, and what did he do? He was persuaded that what God said, he's able to perform. Can you see that? Okay. So number two, we've got to be persuaded. We've got to be moved to belief 
by argument. God will win the argument sooner or later. Don't forget that. Number three, it says they embrace them. And the word embrace means to cherish or to take into your heart. Oh, beloved, beloved, we miss it so often because we don't take and embrace these truths into our hearts. The blood, the blood was shed for me. The name is a strong tower. Embrace it. Fall in love with it. Let it fall in love with you. Let it become a part of your inner being. Embrace the promise of God. You don't say, but no, 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 Lord, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. No, you take the, 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 the promise of God and you embrace it. And say, God, you can't fail because you said it. You said it, you said it, you can't fail, it can't fail. I embrace it. It's the blood that was shed for me. Hallelujah, I see it now. I'm persuaded, I believe in it, I'm embracing it. Can you see that? Embrace it and finally forth and confessed. You see why people that just start with confession fall short? You don't start with confession. You've got to see it. You've got to be persuaded. You have to embrace it and confess it. Confess, confess, which means to, to declare faith in and adherence to. I confess the power of the blood. I confess that I have infused strength from Jesus to resist the devil. I refuse to give place. I refuse to be overcome by depression. I refuse because the blood was shed. I embrace that truth of God. You may see it afar off, but you are persuaded. And now you're embracing it, and now you're confessing it. That is stubborn bulldog faith. And you are telling the devil, no, 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 no. I'm not under your jurisdiction any longer. I've been bought with the blood in spirit, in soul, and body. The Bible says I'm to glorify God in my body because it belongs to Him. And by the way, in case you didn't know, I am free financially too. Amen. That's a little icing on the cake. You like that icing God threw on the cake? I like that icing, don't you? That's bulldog faith. That is stubborn faith. And you use it to resist the devil. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.